All right, guys, if you have a Bible, we're going to go to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Acts 2. Acts is New Testament. It is actually the part 2 of a, a two-part series. The first part of the series is the book of Luke. And then Luke went on to write the book of Acts. So uh, Luke is part 1. Acts is part 2. And uh, it's, it, it's an interesting story. It's the first book of the New Testament where Jesus does not appear. Actually, he does at the very beginning, but then the rest of the book is not about um, like the, the Jesus being here on earth. It's about the Holy Spirit and the works of the Holy Spirit in the world and the early church. And uh, we're going to get into some stories, but before we do that, I wanted to ask you a question. And I wanted to tell you a story from my own life because if you've been around any length of time, what you know is that I like to just embarrass myself in front of all of you and by via, via way of embarrassing stories from my life. And so... Um, let me tell the story first. So, how many of my friends here play some sort of instrument? Where are my band people at? Okay, like concert band, march, any band. Like, even if you play guitar, right? Alright, so like a few of us. And us band people, how many do marching band? Any marching band? Yeah, who's that? Robert, let's go baby. Um, anyone else besides me and Robert in marching band? We're the cool ones. Yeah, don't laugh. No, so Robert and I are the marching band aficionados. Let me tell you what happened. Uh, there's this thing in marching band called band camp, and that is just like football camp except way nerdier. And, and so band camp is one week of the summer before the football season starts where you get together and you learn the show. Because in marching band, you play a show. You go out the field, you kind of walk around, you go, in a, in a, if you're on a whole football field, you kind of walk to your spot as you're playing, and you walk to the spot as you're playing, and as everyone else does it too, it creates shapes and designs that you can see from above, and it's actually pretty cool. And, uh, but it takes some time to learn that. And it takes some time to learn how to walk and play and to breathe right and do all these, these things. And so they do band camp, and it's a week-long intensive. And so the thing at my school was that we did band camp at the same time as football camp, at the same time as cheerleading camp. And so what you have effectively are three fields all right next to each other, band in the middle. And the football teams are over here, and the cheerleaders are over here, and band is in the middle. And why this is important is because here we are at a 100 degree day in August, showing up to band camp, and the band's doing their thing, the football team's doing their thing, and the cheerleaders doing their thing. Now, the, the band is just learning how to walk with an instrument in their hands. The football team is uh, learning offensive and defensive plays, and they're hitting each other, they're wearing this gear, they're pushing these sleds, it's 100 degrees out. The cheerleaders are like launching each other into the air, learning these crazy moves, like doing backhand springs and all these crazy things, and then the band in the middle is learning how to walk with an instrument, okay? So I'm part of the band. And so here's what happened is, it is 100 degrees out, and yours truly forgot to eat breakfast. This is a true story. And as I show up to band, I feel kind of like lightheaded, and you feel kind of nauseous, and you start to feel kind of queasy and, and shaky. And I'm standing there with my trumpet in my hand, and I'm realizing that I'm about to pass out. Which is not that big of a deal to pass out, but when you're like a freshman, and you're trying to establish yourself and be known for something that's not passing out at band camp, Right? That's an embarrassing thing. And so I'm trying to pass out. The football team's over here working so hard. The cheerleaders are working so hard. And I'm just standing, standing here with the trumpet about to pass out. And I'll never forget, I passed out. And the last sound I heard before I hit the ground was the entire football team going, Oh! And they looked over as I dropped. And the next thing I remember is I was sitting on the sidelines of band camp. Uh, 
my trumpet had hit me in the face as I fell, and now I had this giant fat lip as I passed out at band camp. So I thought it was over, because we had the rest of our week, and you know, and, and, and things were, went the way they went, until school started. And again, this, I was a freshman, so I didn't know anyone. I knew just a handful of people. And I'll never forget, I walk up to the school the very first day, and a few football players are standing outside, and they say, hey, aren't you that dude that passed out of band camp? <laughs> and that was my very first foot in the door of high school. I became the guy that was known as the guy who passed out of band camp, right? It was like that kind of embarrassing. Like, how do you recover from that as a freshman in high school? Like, it's like just, it's awkward, okay? Like, as if that year isn't awkward enough. And I was just known as that guy until I was able to do something that was, you know, notable enough to kind of break out of that mold. I became known for that. Later on in high school, I became known uh, as the guy who also founded the pep band. So we didn't have a band that played in our basketball games because not many schools do. But I was like, you know what, we should start that because I was such a band nerd. So I started the pep band at our high school basketball games. It actually went really well. Then I became a baseball player, but I wasn't that good. I was known as a guy who finished last in track. I was also known as the EMT because I did EMT work when I was in high school. And I was known for a bunch of things. These things became my reputation, like who I was and, and, and what I was known for. And some of these things I was happy to be known for, and some of these things I was not happy to be known for. I was not happy to be known as the guy who got a fat lip because his trumpet hit him in the face when he passed out of band camp, right? That wasn't something I was excited to be known for, but yet I was. And I would say to you is that you, just like me, are known for something. Whether you're a freshman in high school like I was, or you're in middle school or older in high school, you are known for something. Some of the things you are known for are good things that you want to be known for. And maybe you talk about those things, you post about those things on Instagram, or those are the things that go out on Snapchat or TikTok or whatever, right? And you have a reputation that you're trying to uphold, that you want people to know you as. And there's some things about you that are not quite as good, but people know them about you anyway, and they're kind of embarrassing, and they're kind of under the surface. But here's the thing. Every single thing that someone else knows you for is determined by an action that you chose or an interaction that you've had. Every single thing that anyone knows about you is, is, is because of an action that you chose to do or an interaction that you had, whether it was your choice or not. There's parts of those we're happy that we're known for them. There's parts that we aren't. But one way or another, you are known for something. And so this series, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the early church back in the book of Acts. Because what they were known for back then is really important for us today. And if you and I want to be people who are known for the right things, then let's look at the example of some other people who were known for the right things. If you and I want to be known as people who do the right things. And let's look at the example of people who did the right thing. The early church was known for a lot of things. We still talk about them. So if you have your Bible, Acts chapter 2, the verse starts in verse 42. It says this. It's talking about the early church, this initial gathering of Jesus' followers. So Jesus dies on the cross. He ascends into heaven. The Holy Spirit comes. If you don't know that story, ask your leader about how that worked. But then the early church starts to form. So all the believers, they get together... And they devoted themselves, verse 42, to the, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many signs and wonders. 
And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, there's a lot of ways that this verse has been talked about in the church over the years. If you've been around FCC for any length of time, I'm sure you've heard this quoted before. It's a very popular chunk of scripture, but we're not here to look at it through the traditional lens. We're here to actually look at some important nuances to what's going on here. And as I'm reading through this, as these people, we're still talking about them because they're, they're known for something good. If we want to be known for something good, let's follow a good example. So what is going on in this text? What I see are four important things that we should talk about before we leave here tonight. One, these people are sharing. The Bible says that they shared in meals, they shared the things they had, they gave, they shared. The second thing, they were all about helping people. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, equipped the disciples to do miracles in people's lives, actually do miracles. And the disciples went out and they were doing miracles of healing and doing miraculous things to help people. They were giving to people in need. They were pulling everything they had, their property and their possessions, and then selling them so that they can give the money to people in need. And lastly, they were just generous. We could put all these together and we could kind of sum it up into, into one word. Do you, know, do you know what the early church was known for? The early church was known for being kind. They were kind. They were known for their kindness and the way they cared for each other and the way they cared for people around them and the way they cared for their community and the way they cared for people that didn't have what they had. They were kind. And they weren't just kind to the people that they liked. They were kind to the people that just needed kindness. And I think we live in a world today where kindness is something we say is important but we see very few good examples of people actually doing it. Because if you look, especially last year, if you were to look at the way our political system works, it's not a very kind environment. If you were to look at the way people talk about COVID and, you know, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, blah, blah, all those things, right? It's not a very kind conversation. Open schools, don't open schools. Not a very kind conversation. We are not known today for kindness and yet it was critical to the mission of the early church you gotta imagine this is, a, this is a young church right this is a very if you got a young tree right like let's say you're gonna try to uproot a tree and you're like you know what i'm gonna pull one out with my bare hands you're not gonna try to uproot that one over there because that is established it's been there a while its roots are down deep and you're not going to be able to really wrestle that thing out under your own strength but if you got a little tree that hasn't been there very long and the roots aren't very deep you might be able to come over and just go and pull it out, right? Same thing with the early church. The church back then wasn't this, was, wasn't this put together organization with all these things and all these facets and all these followers. No, it was a little tiny movement and a very, it was critical that they did the right things and followed Jesus faithfully because if they didn't, it would have been over faster than it started. It was critical. They were vulnerable. Like this little tiny sapling that could have been uprooted by one false move. 
And kindness was critical to their mission. Why? Verse 47 says that due to all these things, the Lord had added, wait, the Lord did, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The church's kindness back then was critical because God used it to save people, to reach people, to love people, to change people's lives. It's critical because kindness is attractive, right? No one ever sees someone kind and be like, oh, you know what? They're a real jerk, right? You've never had someone like walk over and be like, you know what? I would love to pay for your lunch today or I would love to do your homework for you. Or, Well, don't do that. But I would love... To, to do something nice for you. And you've never been like, get out of my face, right? Unless you're a jerk, and that could be a thing. But no one ever does something kind for someone else, and then you're like, oh my gosh, I you will never believe what happened. Someone who was so kind to me came up to me today, and they were so nice. I can't believe they were so nice to me. I wish they would get out of my face. You've never said that, because kindness is attractive, and it draws people together. And kindness breaks down walls, and kindness connects people and brings people together. It's critical to the mission of the church. It's critical to Jesus' followers to be kind to people because that's what draws people to the church. That's what draws people into relationship with Jesus. And ultimately, that's what draws people into a life-changing and eternity-changing sense of hope and peace and joy as we follow Jesus faithfully. Man, kindness is critical to the mission of the church. And these people back in the early church, they were kind. But you know, as well as I do, that it is not easy to be kind. If it was easy to be kind, we wouldn't have to talk about it here. If it was something that we just did, and it was automatic, we're like, oh yeah, great, I'm kind, right? We wouldn't have to talk about it, right? But we have a hard time being kind, especially to the people that we don't like. So the question is, okay, so I, maybe, Josh, I understand why kindness is important to the early church. And I understand that I'm going to be known for something. And if I'm going to be known for something, I want to be known as a person who is kind and not a jerk. But what do I do when it's hard to be kind? Let me just say this. If you hear nothing else, listen to this. If you're falling asleep, wake up, just this and go back to sleep after that. You are not responsible for how others treat you. You are only responsible for how you treat others. You are not responsible for how others treat you. You are only responsible for how you treat others. So if someone is unkind to you, you're not responsible for that. What you are responsible for is your response to that unkindness. And the Bible says that unkindness that's met with unkindness just builds the fire. It just adds fuel. It just adds flames. It makes it worse. The Bible says a soft word turns away wrath. A kind word turns away anger. So if someone's unkind to you, you want to really get back at them, be nice to them. And watch the whole situation diffuse. You are not responsible for how people treat you. You're responsible for how you treat people. And in fact, Jesus says this very pointedly in the scriptures. He says, he says to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So if there was someone who is unkind to you, now you are under direct order from Jesus to pray for them. And it's not a thing that you should do. It's a thing that Jesus commands us to do. It's to pray for our enemies. 
It's critical to be kind because that is one of the primary vehicles that God uses to break down walls and draw people. And, and if you're a Christian and you found the hope of the gospel and your life has been changed and you know there's something greater out there than you and, you've, and it's, it's so grateful to be saved and find a great community of people who, who build you up and support you and love you well, let's not be selfish. Let's want as many people as possible to be a part of that and to find that as well being kind to people breaks down walls and connects people and allows them to see god for who he is now it's critical for that but also just it also not only connects us to each other it also connects us to god kindness is central to our faith kindness is central to who god is because if you've been around for any length of time you know kind of the things that i've been talking about the gospel the bible says that we're all sinners and that we all deserve death we all deserve the just punishment and like if i if i killed someone and the judge was like, you know what? You killed someone. Why don't you just go free? That would be, I'd be like, sweet, right? And But that's not the way it works. You would all be like appalled that I killed someone and I got to go free, right? Because I, the punishment was, un, I didn't get punished for what I did. There was no justice. So the Bible says that sin, the punishment is death and, and that we've all sinned. And so if you and I have sinned, then we deserve death. And so... It might seem a little harsh, but it's actually the fair punishment. It's what we deserve for what we've done. And so the fact that you and I are still breathing and you and I have an opportunity for friendship and community and anything that isn't death is God showing kindness to you and to me. God showing his grace and his goodness. It is central to our faith. God has every right to destroy us right here, right now, and to end it all because he is perfect and we are not. And we chose sin and we fell into sin and we do dumb things and we separated ourselves and the wages for sin is death. God could justifiably kill us all right now, but the fact that he hasn't means that he is kind and loving and gracious. It connects us to God. Lastly, it's critical because it leads other people to Jesus. It's critical because it connects us to God. But at the end of the day, kindness is something we don't just have to feel. It's something we've got to do. Kindness isn't, a, a, it's, a, it's a, well, it's a verb. Kindness is a verb. It's something that we do. So kindness is not just being nice when we feel like it. Because your kindness is not going to be shown when you respond when you feel like it. Your kindness is truly shown and your character of kindness is truly shown on the days when you don't feel like being kind and you show up and you're kind anyway, not because you want to be, but because you know it's better. Our kindness is shown with how we respond when people aren't kind to us. Our kindness is shown by listening to people and not judging them. Our kindness is shown by letting people be who they are and not making them feel stupid about who they are. Our kindness is shown by showing up and, and, and sitting with the person who's sitting by themselves. If you are here tonight and you came and you sat by yourself and someone sat next to you, that person is being awesome and really kind to you, especially if you don't know them. And if you are here and you've got friends and you see someone else sitting by themselves, man, you know what that's like. You know that's awkward. You know you wouldn't want to be that person in that spot. You know you wouldn't want to sit there by yourself and look like the weirdo that passed out of band camp. No, you'd want someone to sit next to you. So kindness draws us to leave the friend group and to go sit with a person who doesn't have one. That's what kindness does. And that's attractive. Tell you what, gentlemen, um, 
listen, I'm not condoning dating. I'm not saying that dating is something you should do because uh, every family has different rules. But let me just say this to the gentlemen, uh, ladies too, but I'm a dude, so let me talk to the dudes. Gentlemen, you are not going to attract the girl that you like by being a jerk to people. I was going to say it because that's just not the way the world works. I'm not saying be kind just to get the girl. But listen, if you got no other reasons to be kind, then take that one. I'm serving that up for you, right? If you're after someone and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, no girls will be like, oh my gosh, he is such a jerk. I really think he's cute. Like, no, no. Like, they're they're going to say, oh my gosh, he is so kind and he's nice and he, he sees people who are alone and awkward and he does things that no one else does. That's going to make you attractive to gals, okay? So between me and you, there's that. Okay. At the end of all this, we're about to land the plane. At the end of all this, you're going to be known for something. Right now you are known for something. The things that you are known for today are a result of your actions and interactions yesterday. And maybe you like the things you're known for. Maybe you don't like the things you're known for. But if you want to be known for something different in the future than what you're currently known for right now, it starts with actions today. To change and to be better and to be kind and to be different. You're known for something. You're going to be known for something. You're known for something today based on what happened yesterday. The day before, the week before, the month before, the year before. A day, a month, a week, a year out from now. You're also going to be known for something. But you have a chance to be known for something good. You have a chance to be known for something like kindness and generosity and sharing and helping people and going out of your way and being that person that other people want to be around and being other people, being that person that leads other people to Jesus just because you 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 look like Jesus, not necessarily looking like a Middle Eastern man with a beard and probably didn't shower a lot and has sandals and dirty feet. What I'm saying, look like Jesus in his character, in his personality. And that starts by making choices today that you might be known for something different tomorrow. Here's what I want to do. Uh, in life groups tonight, what I want you guys to do is um, go around. And it's going to be a challenge for some. But I want each person to go around and share what do you think you're known for? A little self-reflection moment. What do you think you're known for? Good, bad, or otherwise? And then what I would love to do, and this is the more important part, so hear me on this. Let's say Bob says, I think I'm known for this. I would love each person in the group then to, who knows Bob to go around and say, hey, you know what, Bob, here's what I know you for. And start speaking words of kindness and mercy and grace over his life. Bob, I know you as a good guy. Bob, I know you as a strong leader. Bob, I know you as a funny dude. Bob, I know you as a faithful friend. And encourage each other and say kind words to each other and build each other up and be known for something worthwhile. So go around, share what you're known for, and as you do, take some time to speak some kind and encouraging words over each other. And see what happens. I'm not saying it's going to change your life overnight. That's not what we're here for. What I'm saying is that it matters and it's worth it. And if you trust me, and if you trust the Bible, you'll make an attempt at it at least. May we be known like the early church 
for our kindness to others. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this night. As we invite the worship team up, I just want to um, I want to pray for the people who are who are sitting here and and as I've, I've as I've said the words, what are you known for? And ask the hard question, what are you known for? There's people who thought of some things that were kind of jokes and funny, and there's some people that were thought thought things that were kind of serious, and there's some people who, as soon as they hear that question. Because of shame and guilt and humiliation and insecurity and what people have said about them or to them, that was a hard question to swallow. Because some people here truly believe that they aren't known for anything good. Father, I want to pray specifically for that group of people tonight, that you would show them that even if they're not known for anything good, or they think that, the Bible tells a different story. The Bible says that each person is worthy and valuable and that we have inherent value just because you made us and you love us and care for us and you're kind to us. So I pray that for those people who heard that question at a hard time with it because they felt like they're not known for anything good, I pray that people tonight would speak life over them and remind them of who you say they are. And as a church, that we could be a model in kindness not only to each other but to the world. May we be known as kind people. Because just like the early church, kindness can change the world. God, help us to be kind. Especially when we don't feel like it. Especially to the person who doesn't deserve it. Help us be kind because you are kind. In your name we pray. Amen.